Welcome to The Naked Truth, Real Talk About West Coast Swing. My name is Eric. And I'm Deborah, and we are here at Swing Hoover with an amazing group of dancers. We are so excited to be able to share our discussions with you and to have the opportunity to engage in conversation with our listeners. This is our very first show with a live audience and also the first time that we are doing the show in the same place at the same time. So exciting. Um, a big thank you, by the way, to Sarah Van Drake and John Kirkconnell for hosting us and inviting us to do the show at their event. In this episode of the show, we will be joined by a special guest, and then we will respond to some audience questions. We've received some questions in advance, and we'll take questions from our audience here, and questions we receive from folks watching us live on Facebook Livestream. Our guest tonight is an All Swing Hall of Fame and Global Swing Hall of Fame DJ, as well as DJ of the Year, winner of the 2012 VIP DJ of the Year. He started his career in 1980, spinning tunes in the hottest nightclubs in Houston. He still DJs major events throughout the year and has recently ventured into emceeing and is also the co-event director of Trilogy Swing. Please welcome my brother from another mother, Victor Lavera. Hi, Victor. Hi, Deborah. It's so nice to have you. Good. Thanks for having me. Hi, Eric. How, How are you doing? doing? I'm so excited to be here. What's up, everybody? Sub. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you the same question we ask everybody. The first question is always, how did you get involved in West Coast Swing? So I got involved in West Coast Swing in 1984. Um, <clears throat> I lived in Houston, Texas, and uh, let me kind of back up. So my mom and dad, we're, I'm Cuban. So no. we were around the Cuban community a lot, and it just so happened that my mom's cousin was very good friends with uh, Mario Robau's mother. So I met Mario in 1980, way before he started dancing. And uh, in 1984, I went with Mario to his first lesson ever. Um, his father, Sr., uh, kind of baited us. And he was like, hey, if you come to the Melody Club, I'll buy you guys a beer and check out what I do. And I was like, Beer? Let's go. So uh, we went, had a beer. Mario stayed. The rest is history. I did not. <laughs> like I just, I, I, I didn't like it. Oh my god! This is now we've the, had several. This guests. is the fourth person now. So it's, like it's, it's not thing. that I didn't like the dancing. It you have to remember it's 1984. Uh, I'm 17. The majority of people there were. Probably the youngest was 33, and it went up, and it was nothing but blues music. So I'm like, why, why am I here? And I just, you know, I went and did my own thing, and then came back to it in uh, 95, 96. So did you not like it because of the music, or did you not like it because of the dancing, or did you not like it because of the both of that? Yes. Oh, so yes. I mean, it, I'm 17, right? right? And it's blues music, so mm -hmm. I had no clue what it was. I'm, you know, it's like, wait, where's Duran Duran? You know, it's, like, it's 1983, by the way, people. <laughs> um, we anyway. know it. We know it. So yeah, I just it just wasn't something that I thought I I would like. <clears throat> so what brought you back around? So uh, in 1990, I got married and I left Houston. And I completely stopped DJing. Uh, so I started DJing in 1980. Uh, like Deborah mentioned, uh, my brother and I had our own mobile DJ company. And I used to DJ at nightclubs. And the guy that mentored me on how to beat mixing, we used to have a radio show. So, like, I was in a whole different world. 
Um, got married, left. Went to Florida. Got divorced. Got a phone call from Mario saying, hey, I'm going to be in Florida for a West Coast Swing event. Uh, we hadn't seen each other in like two years. I went to the event. I saw West Coast Swing in a whole different light. Hmm. I saw people that were, you know, really cool that I got to know. And I thoroughly enjoyed the dance. And kind of that's where it went from that point on. So I, I, I started enjoying this much later in my life. I was probably 32, 33 when I decided, yeah, this is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And did you dance too? Um, so it was really funny because I would go to the Gold Coast Ballroom in, in Florida and the only partner dance that I knew was salsa. So anytime they'd play that, I'd be the only one dancing and then everyone else would be dancing West Coast Swing and I'd be left at the table by myself. So I was like, I better learn this dance or I'm going to be a very lonely guy every time we come out dancing. So that's kind of how I fell into it. And then I really accidentally fell into getting back into DJing. Uh, because there was a gentleman for you guys that have been around for a while. Some of you may not remember in the audience, but there was a guy by the name of Mark Fisher who used yes. to produce uh, Swing in the Blue CDs, kind of like Dan Mez used to do right. his CDs. And he used to DJ uh, for the South Florida Swing Dance Society. And we got into a conversation. I told him I used to DJ. And he goes, hey, next time I'm out of town, I'll have you DJ the dance. And I was like, yeah, sure. No worries. Of course. Well, it really happened. He went out of town, and now I had to DJ, and I had no music. I had no clue. I had nothing. So I literally spent like $300 in one day to try to get swing music. Mm -hmm. Um, I DJed the dance and just fell in love with it all over again. And I was like, okay, I want to DJ again. And that's how I got into doing West Coast Swing. Uh, There was a gentleman... Uh, if you guys have ever heard of Katrina Branson, uh, mm-hmm. her father, Cal Branson, who was uh, a master's country western dancer himself, he used to own a studio in Fort Lauderdale. And that's where I kind of started learning my craft on how to DJ in West Coast Swing because I would do all of his monthly dances. Uh, and then I went with them to um, Barry Duran's event, um, Eastern's. Oh, mm-hmm. my God, that's a long time ago. And Mr. John Festa was the DJ in the swing room, and I just fell in love with him. I fell in love with the music. I fell in love with the dancing, and it just, from that moment on, it, it got me. So now that you've been a DJ for a while now in the swing dance community, what's your approach to DJing in the West Coast <coughs> swing dance community, and what would you say led to your success? I mean, I... I think what probably led to my success is is a lot of similarity from the uh, interview that you guys had with Ruby is I'm like, I am the type of person that I need to know as soon as a contest is over, if I did good or not. And it's not for my ego. Cause I don't care about that. I want to know if everyone enjoyed the music or hated the music and why did you hate it? Okay. Now I need to go back and figure out next time to remove these bad things and interject everything else that was good. So for me, I went about it in a whole different light. It's kind of like, you know, if you want to become a champion dancer, you got to practice, you got to learn your craft. And it's the same thing with DJing. So I, I took it really serious. People that know me, I'm OCD. I hate to lose. I'm competitive as we all are. Um, but I like, I take it serious. And 
you know, to me, when you're either choosing social music or choosing contest music, it's never about you. It's about whoever's in that contest. Mm-hmm. Whatever song I give that individual, it should be enough material and it should be enough a, a good of enough song that you should be able to win. And that's how I look at it. Um, socially, I look at it in a whole different light. But uh, I think I think maybe that's one of the reasons why I started getting hired at other places. You know, I also was very, very lucky. I got mentored by amazing people. I mean, John Festa, Mario, Cordoba. I mean, so many people just gave me music and right. said, here. Uh, you kind of don't see that anymore in this day and age. Yeah, John Linzer was mentioning that. Remember he mentioned mm-hmm. how we used to, sh- all, you know, mm-hmm. all the DJs used to share yeah. music. Like we used to go to Myrtle Beach and everyone yeah. would sit in the apartment and switch music with each other and you say that doesn't happen anymore between DJs. It well, it kind of does. Like there there are probably four DJs that I still do that with and we have like our own drop boxes and stuff. Um but it's it's so rare because the problem is with technology, everyone's got the song. Right. You know, Shazam, everyone has it. So you're not it's not like back in the day where you would play a song and you'd be like the only DJ that had it and you're like, "Oh, what song is that?" Uh, it's track 3 figure it out mm-hmm. you know we wouldn't tell each other because it's like that's i found this song right. mm-hmm. uh, that's so long gone so um it's kind of hard to trade music because it's constantly out there out there yeah for everyone to share for everyone to share right which is a good thing too yeah because now these guys the dancers are exposed to it and we don't have to like I guess, force feed it like we used to for you to like the song. Right. Right. How do you get your feedback? You know, we talked with Ruby about how she gets feedback on either social songs or competition songs. How do you get that feedback? How do you know if a good, if a song was good for competition? <clears throat> so for competition, I, I ask, mm-hmm. like I'll ask the, I, I'm friendly enough with a lot of the pros that I'm like, Hey, what do you think of this song? Do you like this song? Or I'll immediately ask for feedback after a contest. Mm-hmm. Um, I still do that to this day. Uh, I think that I have a good enough ear that I can hear a song and within 15, 20 seconds, I know if it's going to be a good song, a bad song, a social song, or one day a contest song. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we bounce ideas off of other DJs like myself and Ruby and Chair and, and Louie. We're always constantly talking, hey, I played this song in the contest and it really worked. Um, but, you know, I, it's it's kind of just really word of mouth and you know, if, if you're going to be a contest DJ, you should have some kind of abilities that within yourself, you should be able to tell if a song is going to be good or not for a contest. Right. So let's get to your opinions then. Oh boy. (laughs) What do you think of the state of DJing today and music today in our scene? (laughs) Be honest now. (laughs) Don't hold back. It's the naked truth. All right, so what do I think about the music? You know, I I can't control the music, right? Our dance evolves, our music evolves. Uh, I think if you try to be on a soapbox all the time, you're going to be home alone on your soapbox, <laughs> right? right? Because my job when I get hired at an event is to make people dance, well, I have to figure out how to make people dance. And it could be three hours of music I can't stand, or it could be three hours of music I love. I don't know what's going to happen until I enter the ballroom and I start interacting with the crowd as I DJ. 
So, you know, I, I never know how the night's going to end or where the night's going to go. Uh, as far as music, the only thing that I wish we could start doing more is start sprinkling in a lot more of the older stuff that we all used to dance to back in the day. Because mm-hmm. there's no reason that we still can't play those songs in between a set or in between a break or whatever the heck's going on. And I think that I think that a lot of DJs lose sight of that because here's the problem. When I started DJing, if I came on at 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock in the morning, I knew that I was the DJ that was going to play until the end of the night. Right. Those days are long gone. We only get like two-hour shifts now because a lot of events will have five to seven DJs. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to spread the hours uh, work the room in less amount of time. Right. And music. and make sure that not one individual is overworked than the other. So it kind of brings us down to two hour shifts. Well, what's a two hour shift? 60 songs, maybe. So what happens in those 60 songs? You've got to play what's popular, what people know. And it kind of doesn't let you as a DJ be an artist mm-hmm. because my job is to keep the floor full and to make sure that the event director hires me back. Right. I can't start going on my own tangent. You know, if I want to do that, then I should do my own dance or have my own event, right? Um, so it's really hard, I think, nowadays. I wish, I wish we would go back to the way it used to be and give, you know what? If, if <laughs> anybody could be a good DJ for one hour, let's face it, anybody can be a good DJ for one hour. You want to be a good DJ and you want to impress someone, be a good DJ for four or five hours. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're kind of missing that. I, I absolutely miss starting at 12 or 1 o'clock and seeing where that ride's going to take me by 4 or 5 a.m. Right. I do. I miss that. Because it takes about an hour to an hour and a half to get your room rocking to the groove that you're trying to set. And now you got 30 minutes left. And you don't know if the DJ coming up behind you is going to screw it up. Right. You know, last night, jokingly, 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 I said to Koichi, because I played and he was going to come on after me. And I said, dude, look at the room. He's like, I go, it's packed. I said, I know. Don't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I mean, I said that jokingly, but there, the, there are times mm. where, you know, we, we all as DJs, we've, we've started a night. And we're like, oh, my God, I'm rocking it. And I'm like, I really hope whoever's coming on after me is paying attention and just continues the ride. So I think that we're missing a lot of of having the the good DJs play longer sets, in my opinion. All right, so then I, ha- I have a follow-up question then, um, because I've asked this question to Ruby, and I've asked this to John Lindo, because we talked about DJing. And we, as, a, uh, as professional instructors, we don't get to educate our, the masses enough with good this. music, because <laughs> we teach them an hour or two hours or maybe three hours throughout a weekend. And you, as DJs, travel the circuit, and you play the music for competition, and you play the music for social dancing. And it's your job to let them know what good music is. Not what you think is good music, but good music for dancing. So why do you think some DJs play what they like and not what's Ah. best for the crowd? Ah. Or what they think the crowd Or what they think the crowd So, okay, number one, I knew you were going to ask this question. You did not. Yes, I did. He listens to the show. I listened to the show. I knew you were going to ask this question. So here, here, I'm going to answer this in in two different ways. Number one, I personally don't feel it's my job to teach while I'm DJing. Hold on. I know where you're going. So as teachers... 
as a professional dance teacher, mm-hmm. you guys are supposed to teach the dance. Right. My job is to teach the dance through the music that I decide to play or that I feel I need to play from the kind of feedback that they're giving me because it's a conversation that that for me Mm -hmm. goes back and forth, right? So if I decide that I want to be a teacher, what am I going to teach? Do I want to teach blues? Do I want to teach contemporary? I feel like the teachers teach everything. No, I understand. But my point is like, okay, so this is great that we have a live audience. How many here, whenever you're dancing socially, when you're listening to the song or dancing to it, feel like, oh, I feel like I'm being taught. I didn't know that I could dance to blues or I didn't know that I could dance. Do you ever feel like you're, you're in a, a workshop or in a lesson while you're social dancing? No, you're not supposed to. Right. So I, it's, it's not me teaching. It's me feeding off of them. Like I'm, I'm teaching them. You know what I'm teaching them? That Victor Levera is a really great DJ. That Larissa Tingle is a really good DJ. That Louis St. George is a really good DJ. That Ruby Lair is a really good DJ. That's what we should be teaching. That when those guys are playing, I know that I can go out there. I'm going to get a variety of music. I'm going to be able to dance all night. Maybe there won't be that many complaints. But for me to sit up there as a DJ and kind of shove my soapbox down your throat with my music. I've seen a lot of DJs. I'm not come saying and, that. Come and go. Yeah, I'm not saying that. So what are you saying? So I, I'm saying that I find that there there are, there are some DJs that let's say from two to like five o'clock in the morning. It, it's the same feel the whole night. I feel like the same song is being played the whole night, and the only reason everybody's dancing is because everybody wants to dance. Well, then event directors need to stop hiring DJs that want to work for free. I don't Woo! know. I don't know. Great. I don't. Great. <laughs> I, I don't know what else you want me to say except look. There's good and there's bad in everything in life, right? Mm-hmm. As 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 a hobby, because a lot of us this is a hobby. For some of us, it's a livelihood. Um, <laughs> when I go to McDonald's or when I go to a fancy restaurant that I've eaten at, I know I'm going to get good food. If I go to an event. And I'm looking at the DJs and I see all of these names that I do know and some names that I don't know. I'm like, well, let's go see what happens. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's this event directors, event directors. Uh, I know this is going to sound poopy, but event directors need to do their due diligence and do their homework you, just because Johnny wants to DJ for free or for a room doesn't mean Johnny's good. You know the old saying, you get what you pay for, you also get what you don't pay for. Right. Right? So, you know, just like as as dance pros, you've got all of these people that just want an intermediate Jack and Jill, and now they got a business card and they're teaching privates, you know, and they're charging $25 an hour. It's like, it's the same thing with DJing. I'm sorry, I'm a professional. I bust my butt. Right. People don't see what we all do behind the scenes to get prepared for a contest. And it's stressful. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I'll trade it. any day of the week with you guys because it's so much easier to walk, walk, triple than find 14 or 15 even songs that can win a contest and not be stressed out. I've seen you stress out. Yeah, we yeah. all stress yeah, out. Yeah. No, because we don't want to screw anyone up. And that goes from newcomer all the way up to the pros. Right? Mm-hmm. A song should never win a contest ever, ever, ever. But it does. Well, stop hiring people that don't know what they're doing. I don't know what else to say. I mean, that's as <laughs> blunt as I can be. 
I agree with that statement. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I want to ask a kind of a different angle on that question. Um, and this actually gets to one of the questions we got from uh, somebody through our website. Um, you know, we're expected in competition to dance to blues. And yet we don't hear it social dancing, right. or at least not as prevalently as we should. And so, uh, you know, you, Ruby, all the DJs you mentioned, Larissa, like you all play a variety of music. Right. So that at some point we're going to hear that and we're going to hear everything that we we can and should be dancing to West Coast Swing. But how mindful are you as a DJ of your responsibility to play music for West Coast Swing? Right. Because you are balancing that dynamic. If everybody wants to dance to Shape of You. <laughs> right. Or like tropical song music. Like how much of that are you going to put in or how much are you going to say, you know what? I know they want some of it but I know that I'm DJing for a West Coast Swing Dance and I'm going right. to limit it. So I, I'm, I'm all about, like, if the song doesn't swing, I, I try not to play it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's difficult, right? Because there are super popular songs that are getting played and, you know, sometimes you have to play it. And like I said, this goes back to having, like, a two-hour shift. You're like... You're like stressed and pressed to be awesome for two hours. So you tend to like not think of swing and think of I got to maintain this dance floor full. Um, I, when I do get to do late night, I, I try to do a variety. I will sure. play a slow blues song and then I look at the crowd. If there's more people sitting than dancing, I probably will be like, oh, maybe I'll try one more. And if not, then I'll kind of deviate. Sure. Now, as far as, you know, playing certain songs in contest, first of all, we know that all of the great blues songs that we use in contests, you're probably never going to hear them socially because we're already sick of them as it is. So to start playing them socially, too, we kind of keep that in our pocket so when we do have to use it for a contest at least you didn't hear it last night at 10 p.m but wouldn't and you say let me cut you off <clears throat> wouldn't you say that there are a few blues songs that it doesn't matter how many times you play them they're fantastic to hear they are fantastic to hear and and but the problem is if you play them and not that many people are dancing as fantastic as it is i can't keep the dance floor half full mm -hmm. the whole night because then the event director's like I don't know if I want to hire Victor next year. And it sucks. It really sucks that it comes down to that. But at the same time, somebody else is signing my paycheck that right. weekend. So, so I have to make sure that I'm doing whatever it takes to make that dance floor packed when I'm DJing. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us think that way, too. Yeah, I'm just confused, though, because you made a statement saying, like, you know, we play these songs in competition and, you know, we put them on the back burner because we don't want people to get sick of them. Like, if you play Sweat in a competition and then you play it social dancing, I'm getting up to dance to Sweat. Well, and like I said, I, I will play a song and I'll test it out. And if not that many people are dancing to it, I may try a, another song within that genre. But if it's not working the way I would want it to work, I'm probably going to jump off of that that boat. That's just me. Okay. Um, and yes, I mean, look, a good song is a good song is a good song. It doesn't matter if it was written 700 years ago or last right. night. That's right. Um, but sometimes we have a tendency to overplay. And again, when you have a two-hour shift, I want to try to play different stuff that I've been wanting to play as opposed to the same old, same old, same old. So I feel like, because you said overplay, right? I feel like we overplay top 40 music. But we don't overplay Al Green or... 
um, you know, uh, uh, Solomon Burke, like the the good old the good old boys. You're preaching to the choir. Boys. I still no, play so, that. So that's why my question is to you: like, <sighs> it's like we have that whole arsenal of like, say, five artists, two of which I've already mentioned that have fantastic music, and some of it's considered blues, and some of it's considered beach music, but we hardly hear it. Like we hardly hear it. Like Marvin Gaye, hardly hear him. Why? Um, because a lot of the DJs that are up and coming, <clears throat> excuse me, I know, a lot of the DJs that are up and coming and that are younger also don't understand these artists. Or, or we, listen, I've had conversations with certain DJs where it's like, well, I don't know who that is. I've never heard of X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, I don't care because you shouldn't be playing for yourself. It's not about you, right? Right, right. I mean, let's just face it. I probably play anywhere from 70 to 80% of the songs that I personally don't like, but it's not about me, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not pleasing myself. I have to please the people that are paying customers that are here to dance. It's not about me. Right. I understand that. But this is why I still have that feeling of I I have, say, 50 people in a class twice in a weekend, right? You have 500 people in a room. So if I play Solomon Burke to 50 people, those 50 people may know it, may not know it. But you play it to those 500 people. Now you've woken up maybe 75 more people that didn't know that song. Right. But again, you're preaching to the choir because I still play that kind of music. It's, it's like I can't go up to some of these DJs and put a gun to their head and go, if you don't play Solomon Burke, Deborah Seke is going to talk about it. <laughs> You know, it's just I can't I can't police I can't police everything. I wish I could. And and this is this is the problem with with dances that that evolve the way our dance evolves. Right. It's it's you can't hold on to it and expect it to grow as well. No. And 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 I, I understand that we need to find a happy medium, but you can't let go of it either because that's where the music came from. No, I I get it. I understand right? that. I it, completely understand I mean, that. But again, hire better seasoned DJs. I don't know what else to say. I mean, seriously. It just comes down to understand your event, mm-hmm. understand what you want out of your event, understand who you're hiring, and then if you're comfortable with that, good for you. Okay. I, I guess I'll have to accept your answer. I'm not really happy <laughs> with it at this point because we could go back and forth. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the subject completely. So um, in recent years, you've made a name for yourself as an MC at events. So what um, made you decide to pick up the microphone and become an MC? Um, I, I think it was just something I wanted to try. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had been DJing for so long, I could do it in my sleep. And it's not that I was bored. I just wanted to challenge myself. Uh, I had always been afraid of speaking in public. It was always a fear. Um, I know. Fear uh, conquered. <laughs> fear conquered. I, I remember when I was still living in Houston and DJing um, for the Southwest Whip Club on Wednesday nights. Anytime we'd have to make an announcement about you know the bar closing or what have you, I'd be looking for Mario and be like, uh, "You need to." let him know that the bar is closed and he's like what you, what you called me all the way over for that i'm like yeah i'm not gonna do it and then i started doing it and i kind of overcame the fear and then i kind of went I, I went up to royston and i said hey i think i want to do this and he took me under his wing and he mentored me and he showed me the way and i mean you know growing up i've seen mario i've seen 
uh, Grace and obviously Robert and Kenny you know a little bit. and and Kenny obviously from videos uh, never got to meet him. That's like the one regret that I have that I wish I would have done. Um, but you know, it, it was just something that I wanted to try. Uh, and plus, you know, it kind of helps uh, extra money. You know, if I I can do two things instead of one. So when you were like spinning tunes in the '80s in these really hot nightclubs, <laughs> did you never not pick up the microphone? Because DJs usually interact with people in the dance floor. Uh, no, the way it was set up, like we had the DJ, a light guy, and somebody that actually was gotcha. the MC. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Do you uh, miss that? I, oh yeah, I do. It's funny because I'll be at home and I'll be bored. And my wife will be out teaching and I'll have like a bottle of wine and I get on my laptop and I start beat mixing. I do just for myself for like an hour or two hours and I just get it out of my system. But I do miss it. I do. Why don't you try mixing at swing events? Uh, that will never work. No? Why not? Uh, no. Uh, there was an event in Australia where uh, we actually uh, we tried that. And and that was beat mixing. And here's the thing. It's great and it's cool. But the problem is I danced with the same person for five songs because they were beat mixing. Right. And it was done so well that, oh, crap, this is the next song. <laughs> We've just danced five times. I have to go. You know, it's really hard to, like, say, okay, thanks, because you're blending the songs. So, And if it's done well... You're like, oh, my God, we've just danced five times. I, I think people enjoy hearing the end of the song to be able to walk the person off the floor and then ask the next one. That's why I don't think... Now, in Hustle, they do it. I was going to say, I heard that in Hustle yes. when they're doing that yes. kind of, uh, that kind of yeah. beat mixing that you just say to your partner, like, yeah. thank you. Like, right. I'm done. But, I mean, it's also a dance that started in nightclubs. So, right. you know, they're, they're used to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't so, think it would work for us. So when it comes to emceeing... Because we haven't talked about emceeing on the show yet. No, we haven't. But we've been wanting to. Yes, we have. Um, <laughs> but what is your sort of philosophy? What do you see as your role? And how do you go about fulfilling that role? So, like, every MC is different. Like, Royston's amazing. Robert could just start talking about anything, and he can fill time, and he can tell stories, and he's got this amazing memory. I suck at that. I, I do. That's not my forte. I like... Like, my whole thing is bring them on, bring them off, keep it going. And if something stupid happens, then I'll interject and I'll be stupid with it. But I, I don't look for anything unless it happens. Because I just, I feel like if I start doing stand-up, it's not going to be good. And it's not about me. It's still about the dancing. Right. Um, so that's kind of like how I look at it. I don't, uh, I, I could never, I, I don't think I could control and maintain a crowd the way Royston can like it's it's a special gift that he has and we all don't have those gifts so you kind of have to hone in on what you're good at and that's basically what I do well also Royston has a huge history in the community and he knows a lot about everything that happens or has happened in the dance community so he can connect mm -hmm. with lots of aspects right. of our community but right. You can do that too because you've been here. Oh no, I do um, it with the, right. I do it with the music. I mean, right. I have people all the time sending me a message going, "Hey, has so and so ever danced to this song?" And mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I have parts where I, I excel as well, but you know, I also know my limitations. So, who is your favorite MC besides yourself? Me. <laughs> Mr. John Kirk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, Kirk Connell. Well, I mean, I always, you know, growing up, like. Uh, Mario used to command, you know, that, mm -hmm. that podium and that ballroom. And, of course, Robert. Um, uh, 
Kenny was just like, you know, there, there'll never be anybody He's like the that. Original. Right. Yeah. And I kind of wish we still had that, that just not craziness, but just fun interaction. Yeah. We're, we're here to have a good time. Um, those are the people that I always looked up to. Um, you know, and of course, Grace, because Grace just another amazing storyteller. And if you've ever seen her TED Talks, it's like she just right. she's awesome. And so you'd say that those are your favorite things about each of them. Yeah. That yeah. Make them I, I, growing up, you know, de- uh, DJing and watching all these guys MC, I took a little bit from from everybody. You still kind of put it into whatever so, I am. So what would you say your brand is as an MC? I have no idea. That's Ooh. a really good question. You should I, think about that. I, well, <laughs> I, I think my brand is that I just, you know, a, a good secondary MC that can help fill in. And and I've got a couple of events where I actually am the MC for the whole weekend and not even DJ, which is really weird for me. But, you know, it's still cool. I, I, I actually enjoy doing it. And, and I feel that over the years I've gotten a little bit more comfortable and I like being stupid with Robert. I enjoy when him and I do it together. Mm-hmm. But uh, I will say I I do miss DJing. Like this weekend, I'm so glad I'm DJing. We I miss I, you I'm, too. I I, I realize the the less that I am uh, DJ, the more I actually miss the heck out of it. We miss you too. So come back. <laughs> yeah. I'm back. I didn't leave. Well, you kind of left a little bit. You've done more MCing, I feel like, than you have DJing, and you're you're great at both of them. <clears throat> but we love you as a DJ, and we miss you, and we would like you to come back a little bit more. Okay. Well, I'm here. Okay, thank you. Don't appease me. It's not nice. <laughs> so let's go the other way, and I, I throw this question to both of you. Because, oh. you know, it's the naked I'm truth. not on trial here. <laughs> Where were you on the night of May 5th? Um, what are your pet peeves about emceeing? Shall I go first? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like when the emcees make it about themselves. I don't like when the emcees take up too much time and they waste time. You know, because we have a competition to run, and the object of the MC is to keep the crowd going, to keep people, you know, involved and energized. It's not about, you know, themselves. Check your ego at the door. Make it about the people that pay to have a good time to come to an event. That's my pet peeve. What's yours? I would have to agree with that. I mean, it's it's basically the same thing. You know, your your job. I think that an MC's job is definitely to introduce the couples or. You bring them on and you get them off. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. and be funny when you need to be funny and fill when you need to fill and be smart and witty. And if you're just talking to talk and you're not making any sense and you don't have any clue what's going on, you know, maybe you should take up knitting as a hobby because this isn't working clearly. Um, so I agree with you on that. Yeah. I think there is one other part, which is the, which you were talking about, Victor, which is like the bridging the gap with the audience. Because mm-hmm. I've seen people who are good at getting people on and off, and that's all they do. Right. And the rest of us watching the competition don't feel engaged or entertained. Um, and so while I don't want it to be all about them, mm-hmm. I do want there to be um, kind of somebody who's a cheerleader for the competitors right. or like helping raise the energy in the room right. for those right, who right, are right. actually performing. Absolutely. Right. And that's like some, something that like Robert excels right. at, right? right? He gets everybody pumped up. Mm-hmm. So when somebody's out performing, the, the performers can feel the energy. Yeah. I also think it's part, uh, you, we also have to recognize what the brand of the event is because mm-hmm. if we talk about something like Worlds, mm-hmm. you know, their brand is we get the dancers on, we get the dancers off, very calm and cool on the microphone, we're clear when we're talking, right. very much like a ballroom. Um, event and swing dances or uh, swing events are a little bit 
different. Right. There are some swing events when the MC is really part of the interaction between the dancers and the spectators and all that. And there are uh, events where, you know, like the MC should, shouldn't interact as much because there are competitors behind the stage that are really nervous and really just want to get on the floor and compete. Right. They don't want to wait and have that talking happening while they're warming up and, you know, yeah, yeah. trying to get their nerves out. Right. So that's my pet peeve. No, I agree. And one thing that I think all of the good MCs do, and I think you do as well, which you kind of said, like, you do you. Right. 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 Like, when MCs, I don't know, there's something about, and it's the same with dancing, I think, but like, when we, when we start trying, it's just not the same. <laughs> like, everybody who gets out there on the mic who's themselves and it just lets themselves come through in their own way, their own style, yeah. I think succeeds. Yeah. Well, and I think as an MC, if it's something that you want to do, I think you should understand how to enunciate and how to project your voice so we can understand when you're talking as i think that's one of the other things that there are some mcs that where it's like it just sounds like charlie brown's mom you know um, teacher wasn't it the mom teacher. no it's the teacher well any of the adults right yeah right yeah. so besides that what other advice would you give someone who who wants to be an mc at an event and how they would break in to become an mc what what advice would you give them well, I mean, I think if it's something that you want to do, and it's the same thing with either DJing or being a teacher, I think you should find someone that that you like and you admire and see if they offer like a mentorship and, and study, do your homework. Right. You know, I tell any DJ, especially a DJ that's coming on to DJ after, uh, you know, uh, whatever your set is, you need to be in that ballroom 30 to 45 minutes ahead of time. Sit down in a chair and pay attention to what the current DJ is doing. Because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not rocket science. It really isn't. It's, it's really not rocket science. Um, and, and I would say the same thing, you know, for an MC. Find somebody that you like. And, and, and you know, most people in this community are more than happy to open up their arms sure. and to help you out and and pay it forward because so many people did for me right. and i've done for for many as well because that's what it's all about so agreed mm-hmm. so then let's get to the broader question Uh-oh. you've been involved in the scene for a very long time you've seen it change both musically and just as a community what do you think of things these days what are you excited about what worries you what do you like what do you not like um i'm not worried I think our dance is better than it is now when I first started. That's for sure. I mean, there's a lot more events. There's uh, just the dance itself has gone to through so many stages and changes. Same with the music. Um, it's, you know, through YouTube and all of this technology, we've we've been able to uh, show our dance to so many people across the country and the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, look at that video that Lindo did with, with Stephanie. I mean, over a million views, and now you've got Maxime and Tori. And I think it's great. I think our dance is amazing. I think it's it's in a good place. Um, uh, I just want to figure out how we can explode it even more. Because to me, I think this dance should be everywhere. I mean, I think it should be bigger than country. It should be bigger than salsa. It should be bigger than ballroom because... It, the music, right? When you have ballroom or tango or whatever, it's it's a specific music to a specific dance. Well, those the, dances are competition dances first, social dances second. Ours is a social dance right. 
first, but ours is the most difficult of all the social it dances is. that we do. It is. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the reasons why it doesn't catch on as quickly as we'd like to. But we also don't have um, things uh, like all the other dances that you have mentioned have had television or movies mm-hmm. bring it to fruition. Right. You know, we had Urban Cowboy, you know, for country. And we've had all the TV shows, you know, for ballroom dancing, like dancing, you know, with the stars. And then we had the TV show Lombada and the movies Lombada and all those things to bring those street dances to the masses. And those dances are much easier um, right. than ours is. And we really haven't had anything to showcase it as well as it could. And, and right. our dance, just looking at our dance in general is two-dimensional. We choreograph it three-dimensionally, but it's a two-dimensional dance. And then once it gets on video, now it's one-dimensional. Right. So now we need to do all camera angles and stuff right. to make it you know, um, appealing to people who aren't dancers. Right. Which is why when right. you watch a lot of dance competition shows like, say, World of Dance... Right, they have all these crazy angles and amra, you know, camera cuts. Right, right, and makes it annoying for people like myself who just wants to watch right. the right. dance. And I'm like, ah, stop right. blinding me. Right, right. So I think that's part of the problem. We just have to find the right avenue. Yes, right. Because the music is there. I mean, Absolutely. the music is appealing to anybody and everybody. Sure. And I think we need to figure out how to how to take it even, you know, in a in broader. a lot, in a broader sense, mm-hmm. right. How we're going to do that, I don't know. So I want to push back on that a little bit. Oh, push. In the sense, because I feel like a lot of people talk about, you know, we need to do more to get people doing West Coast Swing. We need to get it out there. More people should be doing it. Um, and I guess I just don't understand why. So, look, if you, like, run a local community and you're having trouble getting people to your dance, I understand that's like a business thing, too, in terms of just getting people in the door and in your classes. Um, like if you're not getting enough leaders in the door, or men or whatever it is, I get that. And mm-hmm. talk to me because I'm interested in community. I love chatting about it. Um, but I feel like there's this, like, we need Sense to. Of urgency? Yeah. And I'm like, did I miss something? Is our dance dying? Like, from what I can tell, this dance has exploded around the world and continues to explode. And having just been in Europe and seeing how it's like a whole other world there that didn't exist seven, eight years ago. I mean, this dance is phenomenally growing. And quite frankly, I'm very happy with our community. (laughs) Like, sure, if people want to learn this dance and more people want to do it, great. But I guess I just don't understand this, like, more people should be doing this dance. We need to get more people because then it starts sounding like we're, you know, the fundamentalists who want to convert the... (laughs) We're going to Africa and converting the masses. Like, let's... Take it back listen, a we're not talking about crusaders and that we're going in and going, listen, do West Coast Swing or we're going to wipe this entire community off the map. Well, I don't no, think the but... missionary said that either, <laughs> quite frankly. No, but I mean, but... I feel like it's like we need to go, we need to get this in every no, corner, I, in I, every place. I, I, I don't like... mean like, oh my God, we need to like shove this down everyone's no, no, no. throat. But I, I'm, I'm saying it more of the sense like this is so amazing that we need to like, everyone needs to know about it. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of look at it in that sense. I don't know. I don't, th- I don't think it's that everyone needs to know about it. I think it's because like, if you, if you go out into the public and somebody asks you what you do for a living and you say, I teach salsa, everybody knows what you're talking about. You say, I teach country two-step, everybody knows what you're talking about. I teach ballroom, everybody knows what you're talking about. When you say West Coast Swing, you get that, that look, like that RCA dog, like what is that? And I, yeah, dog. like... Um, and I think that's what we're trying to say. Like, we don't need more people to do it. We need more people to know what West Coast Swing is. Like, there's people that are sure. confused. We say West Coast Swing, and they're like, what's that? I mean, well, it's been around for right. a very long time. Right. 
So I think that's the issue. Right. Because they, we everyone do have always, everyone doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's Everybody goes to Lindy. Yeah, yeah. Everybody thinks Lindy. You know, when you say, oh, right. I'm a swing dancer. Oh, <laughs> so you're throwing the girl up in the air. No, that's that's the other dance. Right. Yeah. That's the grandfather that's of our dance. Right. Right. And and I, I think, too, the problem is, is like, even like when we talk about like shag dancing, like there's a very funny story, actually. Um, you, everyone knows who Charlie and Jackie is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. They're the mecca of shag dancers. And uh, one year they go to the UK to hang out, have fun, teach shag. And now they're flying back home uh, from the UK and they're sitting next to this, you know, really lovely couple across the, across the aisle. And, and I, I don't, you know, I hope you all know what shag means in the UK as opposed to right. Okay. So, you know, they asked Charlie and Jackie, you know, like, what do you do? And, and Jackie turns around. She goes, well, we're the nine-time uh, U.S. shag champions. And, <laughs> and, of course, the two people sitting across the aisle, their eyes got big. And they were like, wow, they have competitions right, shag? Competitive shagging. <laughs> competitive shag dancing in the United States? This, is this new? <laughs> and, of course, Charlie and Jackie didn't understand why the confusion. Right. Because shag means something completely different sure, sure. in the UK. And then, of course, they went back and forth, back and forth. And then, finally, they were like, oh, hold on. That's not what we're talking about. We teach a dance called shag. And then, of course, the panic. You sure, know, sure. <laughs> Went to a lull and all of that. So even then, there's a problem, you know, across the pond. Not everybody knows. And now it's bigger. Shag has been traveling to Australia because of Michael and Leanne. And, uh, you know, Charlie and Jackie have traveled right. a little bit too. And Wayne and Charlotte will help uh, with that. And still people don't know about that. And they've had a movie as well yes. called Shag with all of the professional shag dancers that we know. Like Michael and Leanne right, right. were in it and Sam West was in it. Um, so it, it, I don't know if it's about... Um, giving them more television time and and talking about what the dance is or renaming it, which I'm not a fan of because I know there are some people that think we should rename. Don't even get me started. West Coast Swing. <laughs> um, so I don't know what the, what the solution is. But I, I guess I'm still not... So, okay, well, two questions. One, why is Shag not bigger in the UK given what it means there? <laughs> Shouldn't everybody be learning competitive shagging in the UK? Um, I guess they're, they're more reserved people, I guess. Um, and, well, they do it, but then they just criticize themselves afterwards from what right, I know of right. Brits. So, anyway. Um, so, but second, like, so, so the reason we need to spread the dance then is because when we talk about it, people don't know what it is? Well, that's part of it. That's, so if people know what it is and we talk about it, then more people can talk about it and it, sp- and it spreads further. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. No? I mean... I just. Why are you so? I feel like you're angry about this, Eric. <laughs> well, I get Tell angry me. when we talk about changing the name. But that's yeah, me a different too. Thing. But I feel like you're angry that we want this to be. No, no, no. Than- Look, I think it's great that like, and I, I want more people to dance too, right? Like, I run a local dance where I'm teaching beginners on a weekly basis, and I love spreading the dance. I love it. I want other people to have that joy too, right? I get that. I guess I just feel like the discourse has gone to this place where it's like, it is kind of fervent. It is kind of like converting the masses like we need this we need more movies with west coast swing and we need like we need to have the u.s open televised so that people know what west coast swing is and we need to change the name because i can't get people in my local dance i'm gonna just okay i'm leaving that aside it's like this close to going on my rant about it but um but i just yeah i just feel like it's um it's like an obsession with our community and i feel like it's been more recent in the last like i don't know year or so that we're like 
we need to get this out here. The U.S. Open needs to be televised. We need more people doing West Coast Swing. And I'm like, I, I think we're doing okay. Right. I'm okay telling somebody I do West Coast Swing, and they go, what's that? Because now it's a conversation starter. And now I get right. to tell them I that, that I do something. It's not big band swing. We dance to top 40 music. If you're interested, check this out, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Like when I think about... I think about my day job and I do a lot of communications and messaging with organizations. And like when you're when you're doing an elevator pitch, right? The goal of an elevator pitch is not to have necessarily they understand exactly everything. It's to start a conversation. Sure. Right? I work with a lot of organizations that like do science based stuff and they'll give you like a four hour elevator pitch. And I'm like, that's the God's longest elevator ever. <laughs> like Willy Wonka on the chocolate factory. Um but, uh, but yeah, the goal is to say, like, well, what do you do? Well, I teach dance. Well, what kind of dance do you do? West Coast Swing. What is that? Mm-hmm. Cool. Now we're having a conversation about it. Like, I don't feel like I need to spread the dance so that everybody knows what I do. Does that make sense? Yes. I understand okay. what you're saying. You still sound a little angry about it. It's okay. <laughs> Just because time. people think we need to change the name of the dance to attract people. I understand. And I don't think we do. Okay. Because there's a dance called Zook. That has spread around the world. And yeah. Zook sounds like a tropical disease or something I stepped in. <laughs> and like, and yet it's spread just fine around the world. It's one word. It's one word? Zook. So it's the three words that throw people off. <laughs> <laughs> Too many words. Like Lindy Hop doesn't describe the dance. And in fact, a lot of people actually don't know Lindy Hop. They'll know swing dancing, right. but they don't know Lindy Hop. Correct. Right. And even when the dude named it, it had nothing to do with what he was doing. Right. right. So, um, but like that took off too. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think the name. We need to go there. Do we have a question from Ben McHenry in the audience? My elevator pitch for West Coast Swing. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, um, the thing is that I will usually tell people that I I do West Coast Swing or I teach West Coast Swing, to which I get the puzzled look, right? And they'll be like, oh, East Coast Swing or whatever. Like, I, they, Once I see the look on their face, whether they recognize it or not, then I know what to do next, right? So um, my elevator pitch is it's, it's not big band swing. It evolved from big band swing, so there's commonalities, but it's a partner dance that's done more to more popular music that you hear on the music uh, on the radio right um it's partner dancing like that's kind of how i describe it i i don't really reference it because i know i've heard in the past like oh well it's kind of like well when i was in the east coast you could reference hustle and, and salsa and that was more popular on the west coast if i say hustle they're like what are you talking about um so yeah because uh, i know i've heard people say like oh it's kind of like hustle and swing Merged, and I just, I don't like the whole Hollywood like take two existing movies and then describe your movie like that. Um, yeah, I just tell people it's swing dancing that we do to contemporary music, smoother, sexier, more sophisticated, yeah, I more say musical, sexy. right? Yeah. So Victor, it was great to have you here. You're still going to sit up here, but we're going to open it up for questions. Awesome. Thanks for um, having me. Yeah, you were great. I know. <laughs> <laughs> How Victor got his groove back. And we love that you're in our community. I'm glad to be here. Like, listen, I wouldn't have... I, there's so many things I wouldn't have if it wasn't for this community. So, Likewise. I'm uh, super grateful. Likewise. So anybody have any questions to ask? The of Victoria, us? I mean Victor, or anyone? Tony Schubert, everybody. Yay, Tony Schubert. Superman. Yeah, right. Clark Kent. Um, so the question I have is is 
geared more towards the DJ perspective. Uh, we talk about the disease of Zook, as you mentioned it. and I did not call it the disease of Zook. <laughs> um, but Zika is very similar. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so uh, same amount of letters. Right. Um, so, it has a Z in it. So my question... Zook, Zoom type. Bless you. <laughs> uh, so my question for Victor is... Um, so we're, there's this whole big thing about Zook within West Coast Swing and how you know, this, that whole big debacle that everyone's been talking about for the last couple of years. Um, how much of that spreading within the West Coast community do you think is the fault of the DJs versus the pros versus the community as a whole? Ooh, I can't wait to hear your answer. I think that's a combination of both. I think it's a combination of the music and the pros that got exposed to it and liked it and incorporated it into their dance and dancers that started in Zook and found West Coast Swing and came into this dance and kind of influenced it the way they dance and incorporate their West Coast. So I think it was it's a combination of everything. Um I can personal I can honestly tell you that I've played one Zook song uh what I consider a Zook song since I've been DJing from when the time Zook came in. Like, for me, uh, I'm not a fan of the music. Uh, it's like salsa. Even though I'm Cuban, I can't stand going to a salsa club because it sounds like one long song that never ends. <laughs> and I have to get out of there. Right. So, so I have a question for you, though. Yeah. Um, so you made a statement saying, like, the whole debacle of Zook and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And... And I think it's important for us to recognize that what's great about West Coast Swing is we, ha- we have the ability to allow other dancers to influence our dance, to help our dance become more creative and different in, in movement. The problem is, is we shouldn't let any other dance come into our dance and take over mm-hmm. our dance because it's nice to see some of the Zook movements in our dance, like the head whips and the body rolls and, um, and all those things. So are you upset that the dance is part of our, like in our community or it's the music that's kind of infiltrated a little bit the tropical house sound that's kind of everywhere we go right now. So I, I have nothing against Zook. That was just me being a smart ass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I think Zook is great. Um, but so the issue I have is kind of what you were saying with it is I think it got to a point where um, we'd watch a swing dance and I'd see 80% Zook, 20% swing. And then people are like, oh, that's a great swing dance. Right. And like going back to what you said, I think the one of the best parts about West Coast Swing is that the incorporation of the dance. Mm-hmm. And when I'm watching a routine or a Strictly or a Spotlight, whatever it is, and I see more of another dance than West Coast Swing, that's when I think that's that's where the problem lies. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that distinction is where kind of that the debacle or whatever I said kind of comes in is that there are people that will put like the videos on YouTube and label it West Coast Swing, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and it's very Zook heavy mm-hmm. um, and just just people don't necessarily know the difference. Would you say these, these dances that you see on YouTube, are, are these people that also like compete in competition and do this during competition? It's, it's a mix. I think uh, like ma- majority of the ones are on the more competitive level because I feel those get shared on YouTube. Gotcha. And would you say that those dances where you say are a lot of Zook and not enough West Coast Swing, do they get rewarded in uh, competition? I think now there's, it's starting to not be as much. I think when Zook was first coming in to the community, because it was kind of that new, fresh thing, um, it was. 
Um, and I think because now that we've realized it, we're starting like personally as a competitor and, you know, I haven't been doing this as long as like you, Victor or you or whatever. Um, like when I started, it was a little bit, it was a little bit more of a traditional kind of swing. Like you had the A's, you had the B's, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And I feel we kind of, once Zook came in, it really added some really great shapes and some great movements. And I think we kind of shifted to one side of the pendulum and we explored in this little area for a little bit. And now we kind of realize that and now it's starting to kind of come back and find that middle ground where it's a, it's a, like a nice mesh of the two. Well, so I, I think you'll find that because now you've only been in the community how long now, Tony? Uh, 10 years. All right. So I'm going to give you another 10 years. You'll find... <laughs> So when, so, when, so when you're in the community for, ten years, for 20 years, you'll mm -hmm. find that there are several dancers that come into our, into our, 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 our dance and, and we end up swinging in one direction mm -hmm. because we're all excited about the new feeling. Because when I came into the swing dance community, it was Shag mm -hmm. that was infiltrating the dance. And that's why Robert and I would put Shag in our routines and everyone else would put Shag in their routines and we swung to one side for a little bit and then we came back to the middle and got you know mm -hmm. back where we needed to go. So I think that happens with any new dance that comes into our dance. We just have to recognize that we always have to come back to center because it's mm -hmm. important. But other dances are good for us. Yeah and, yeah, and and I totally agree with that. I was just curious about who, I was kind of, you know, my question was, who do you think, which part of the community or which part of our dance is is responsible or kind of controls that a little I bit I think more. it's us. I think it's the professionals because we're the ones that travel and we're the ones that experience new new countries and new cities um, so we get excited about things that we see and we bring them back to, 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 you know, to, to show, to, to expose people to like, look what I just learned, this, this cool new way, you know, of moving and let's see how can we can incorporate this into our West Coast swing. And sometimes we lose a little bit of the West Coast swing because we're trying to feel this new movement, but we always end up coming back because I, it's the pros that do it. We okay. do it. We're the ones that are, are exposed to the new stuff first. Okay. Um, so it's our responsibility to, to, to show, but also let people know, let's not get carried away with this. So yeah, okay. I'm taking responsibility. Thanks, Deborah. You're well, welcome. That's, that's, that's good that you're taking responsibility. <laughs> um, but is that, that is one piece of it, though, right? Because if then, like you were saying mm -hmm. before, you teach a class and you play certain music to show your your students what swing is and then the DJ, if there's a DJ who also likes Zook music and plays as much of that as West Coast Swing... That's the, the masses think the same way that, you know, maybe the routine doesn't win, but people are like, that's a beautiful dance. That's what I want to do. And it's more zoop than swing. And they think it's, you know what I mean? Like there is, I think, a limit and it's a shared responsibility among sure. everybody who influences the dance. Yeah. Teachers, judges. pros who demonstrate, mm -hmm. judges who monitor and, and DJs who say this is what we dance to. Right. I agree with that. But, I'm I mean, still it's taking the, responsibility, though. Right. Well, you, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying it's shared <laughs> with other people. And it's not the first time this has happened. I mean, it's like Deborah said, you know, it, it was country, and then it was hustle, and then it was shag. And, tango for a and while. And tango, and then, Cha -cha. you know. When right. pop, popular then, music had a lot of And Cha -cha then there was it. nothing, and then it was just the music. We all went lyrical, and, you know, it's just it. every five years it happens, and it'll the pendulum will swing God knows where next time. I mean, if you, if you just look at, like, the, the first... Uh, four years of mine and Robert's history of dancing together. The first year was our routine was very shag based, and and then and then we went to the UK and I heard a song, uh, you know, I heard the song Chains. We did the, we did the sick and tired to it, and then I went back to the UK and then we heard a new version of it, and so we brought back 
like more like a jazz kind of movement into it because that was my influence. And then then tango started to come into the scene, which is why the song Debola Morgan, right, right, which is why we danced and we put some tango moves into it. And, and then and then more um, more solo dancing feel stuff would come in. So we ended up dancing, you know, to Sade. So you can see the transition, and, and you could look at all the like couples that when we, we you know, because there's a couple of us that work through each era together as a, as a group, and you'll see how we've all like you know evolved within our dancing because of the music that was coming in to to our community and and because of what was happening on the radio and because a, a lot of us there was a select few of us that were traveling and we were being exposed to other things there were times when you know Robin and I would go to the UK and we couldn't wait to go to Virgin Records because they would have music that we wouldn't have in the states so we'd go to Virgin Records and go through all the you know the re- actual records we'd go through the records and they'd have the headphones there and you'd listen to songs which you know that's unheard of mm-hmm. now we'd have Virgin Records Tower Records and Tower and records. And music in the UK is different than music here. Mm. You know, if you listen, there's a station in the UK called Capital, and it's totally top 40, and you'll hear stuff that you wouldn't hear here and vice versa. Gotcha. So it's, it, we get exposed to lots of things. It's, it's important, but we still have to come back to center. Yeah, and I do think the perspective of, like, time. The last time I remember feeling the way I do, like that I do about Zook, where it's, it's pushing the dance in a way. Like, it's one thing for Shag to come in, because Shag's another swing dance, oh, yeah. right? So if it influences us, hey, now we're actually moving our feet. That's pretty good. Right. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay. I'd kind of like Shag to come back a little more and work our feet a little more um, and, like, partnered stuff. But, um, but there was a time when uh, hip-hop... Sure. And, like... Um, and I know some of that was coming through some of the hand dance couples that moved really well and right. moved to that music better than a right. white dude like myself. So, um, <laughs> but we were starting, I remember we had similar conversations about like, there's too much solo movement in the dance. They right. weren't dancing enough together. It was hip hop holding hands. Right. And then that phase eventually passed. I said, we always come back to center and it's important for us to enjoy the influences that we have from other genres of music we just don't we just should never let it take over our our you know our dance or our or our essence of what our our dance is right so actually while you're still up here we got a question from Tom Baderna who was on one of our episodes and is watching on the Facebook live stream um, hi Tom, hi, Tom. He'll get that message in 10 seconds when the live stream catches up. Um, but he asked a question, and I want to keep you up here because you compete at the Open, mm-hmm. and we have touched upon this, but it's relevant to this topic, which is the Opus division, mm-hmm. and this idea of opening up a new division that <laughs> Deborah's like, serenity now, serenity now. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm curious what you I'm curious what you think as somebody who has seen the dance evolving um, and from a music perspective. I'm going to go get more water. Deborah, I'll be right back. Water? Okay. Just water? Fire water? Can you get um, yes. And as somebody who competes at the Open, I'm curious what you both think about the Opus division. I'll let you start that. So <laughs> this is the new division that they're going to put yes, in next which, year? Yes. The, the requirement is 30% the swing content. It's yeah. a swing fusion division. Well, luckily, I'm not a dance teacher, <laughs> so I can plead the fifth on that. No. Um, I mean, as far as music, I don't, I don't know because it's it's going to be a new division where I'm assuming any kind of music is going to go as well. Why like, are we having a new division? We can I, do cabaret. Listen, I don't, I, I don't know why we're having a. new We can division. do cabaret. That's what cabaret's I, for. 
Yeah. We don't okay. need a new division. Come so on. I, I we, don't I don't know why we're doing a new division. Um, I would like to call Robert Royce. Yes, please. Please. <laughs> Robert Royce into the stand, please. <laughs> Come Welcome. talk. Welcome. Yes. Come talk to us. Listen. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi. By the way, I just totally Instagrammed you guys killing it up here with this oh, conversation. Thanks. So, uh, listen, we've done it. For the record, this is the first time hearing of it. It was just like last week about this really? Opus thing. Okay. Right. Oh. So, here's the deal. We did it. It was called Showtime Invitational. That's right. So, Showtime Invitational is 20% swing. And we did this. So, what the U.S. Open did a whole bunch of years ago is they were trying to find ways to do different things. So, first they started the Superstar Division. So, they wanted one pinnacle. So, they said, all right, we're going to do... So, like, Classic and Showcase became like Rising Star. So they, they put one division above Classic and Showcase. It'd be like taking the best Classic and Showcase winners on each side and putting them in one division. And in order to get to the Superstar division, you had to have won. One person in the partnership had to have been a U.S. Open champion. So they started that. We did that for two years. And then they were like, ah, well, that's not working. Right. And then other people were like, well, you know, if you're going to put all of us in a division together, let us do kind of whatever we want. Let us get super creative. And lots of us, like Robert and Deborah, Lorena, myself, had lots of other dance training. So they were like, okay, I know what we'll do. We'll do a Showtime Invitational. Well, we'll invite a bunch of dancers that have lots of other dance training, right? And we'll do that. And so, we, and that only happened for two years. So, and it happened for two years because everybody was kind of like, eh, we'd rather just see Classic and Showcase. We'd rather just see really good creative dancing. So it, it really didn't work. And I don't think it's going to work again. Like the thing is, is that people that are new don't, even people that are new and I love Phil and Raymond, I love them to death. They're very good friends of mine and they run the U S open, but like they weren't around then. Mm -hmm. So like we're going, Hey, here's a great idea. Oh, that great idea we had 30 years ago that didn't work. So like, I don't think it'll work. I don't like the idea of the division whatsoever. I think we should like, they're trying to create lots and lots of divisions to appease everybody. Right. right? That they do that in country dancing and it's killed country dancing. Yeah, it's like So competitive country dancing. Yeah. So I think we should not go that route. I appreciate you can clap. It. Go ahead, Ben. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think we have we educate our dancers and we educate our judges, and we have to stop creating divisions. We have to stop creating divisions because we haven't created education. Correct. Right. Yes. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> Did you have a question? No, you're just preach. Cool. Do you have a question, Ben? I have completely different questions. Okay. So the question is, how do you categorize swing music? I feel like Robert should answer this. <laughs> <laughs> I've done my podcast. No, I'm kidding. So uh, how do I like, but he anyways. Has the- he has a theory. So, well, so here's the thing. So how do I categorize swing music? Like swing is a rhythm. Y'all get that. Swing is a rhythm. It's, it's not a dance. It's a, a rhythm. Yep. It's, it's not, an there's, actual there's genre. No, there's no dance called, called swing. swing. Right. There's no dance called swing. There's a rhythm called swing. So there's dances we do to it that have the word swing in it. Mm-hmm. West Coast Swing has the word in it. Lindy Hop didn't have the word in it. Right. East Coast Swing has the word in it. Shag doesn't have the word in it. North Dallas Push, Houston Whip, Boogie Woogie, Jive don't have the word in it, but you do it to swing music. So swing, swing music has a swung triplet to it. Right. It has a swung rhythm to it. it so that's not to say that we, can't, that we can't do our style of swing dancing, West Coast Swing, to music 
that doesn't completely swing. Mm -hmm. Like there are other rhythms we can dance to that feel good to our dance. Which is why our dance is so fun. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, so our, our, what we do was really, really heavily influenced, not so much by swing music, like really traditional swing music, but actually more from like rhythm and blues. So we can trace lots of what we do to what came out of Muscle Shoals, Alabama, what came out of Stax Records in Memphis and what came out of Motown. So that, that shuffle rhythm that would have that backbeat that was really kind of perfected by people like James Brown, that whole vibe feels really really good to us even though it's four on the floor with the backbeat feels really good for us with the shuffle rhythm so for us we can dance to swing rhythms we can dance to shuffle rhythms we can dance to four on the floor where we become the instrument that adds the triplet into it right the only thing i'm not a fan of is when we dance to music that has a very strong rhythm in between the two beats that contradicts the steps we should be taking does that make sense Mm -hmm. so like what is swing music well that's very easy it's music that has a swung triplet in it right that's super easy that's an easy Matt, that that is just what it is. Now, music we can swing West Coast swing too. That's a different question because that's a that's going to be an arguable. People will disagree right. with that. Right. And what is your opinion on what that is? Well, my opinion is that the it we either need to be dancing to a rhythm that fits our steps, right, which could be a shuffle rhythm, mm-hmm. right, a four on the floor with a good backbeat, right, or swing music. Yes, I think if if so, everybody in the room is going to do this and at home. Pat your chest. So there's your beat, right? So if you went. Boom, ba, ba, doom, boom, ba, boom, ba, do it, ba, doom, boom, ba, boom, ba, keep this the same, boom, ba, boom, ba, ba, doom, boom, ba, boom, ba, ba, doom, boom, ba. You can't see me at home. Ba, ba, doom, boom, ba, boom, ba, ba, doom, boom, ba, boom, ba, ba, doom, boom, ba, boom, swing, ba, doom, boom, ba, 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 doom, boom, ba. So that was the first kind of swing rhythm that we had. Now do this again. Now go boom ba do ba ba da 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 keep going now, if I'm dancing to four on the floor, which just means four, four hits to the bass drum, not a hit to the bass drum and then up to the snare or something else, four on the floor, if it just is this, boom, 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 and there's nothing in between, songs like Paris in the Rain, right? Don't really have anything in between. That's fine. We can be the instrument that puts the triple step. That's fine. I'm cool with that. We put the, we put the rhythm that's in it because there's nothing there. Does that make sense? But if there's a strong rhythm that contradicts our basic, we shouldn't dance to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, we should dance to it. Just the dance appropriate to right, it. Right. 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 Because right. right. <laughs> otherwise we should just have one dance. Like right. samba is a rhythm. Cha-cha is a rhythm. Right. Mambo is a rhythm. Right. Guacamole and salsa are something I put my chips in. <laughs> right. So... <laughs> Drop so, the mic again, please. <laughs> so, Victor, throwing it to you as a DJ, how do you think about, because you said earlier, you're like, I'll play a variety of music, but I'm always picking music for, mm-hmm. for West Coast Swing. Right. How do you do that? Uh, like, what are the criteria, or, or how do you think about that? It, it's not really a criteria. It's just understanding the songs that you have in your library and knowing that, you know, uh, I'm going to play what is a foxtrot, but most people are going to do West Coast Swing to it. Mm. But I try not to do that. I I will play something that at least is a swing dance over something that is not. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I, I, even when we were doing the swango kind of stuff, I wasn't really into it because if I hear a song that should be like Robert was talking about, if, if I play a tango song, I want to see a couple do tango. If I play a, something with a cha-cha rhythm, I want to see somebody doing a cha-cha. Right. So I think a lot of folks in our dance because they go with the with the definition of well, if it's four four time, we can dance to it. Well, true, but you know, salsa is also four four time. I don't right. want to play a you know Scott de Leon and watch you do walk walk triple. You know what I'm saying? Although it can be done, it can be done. <laughs> Not fun though, right? Right. And yeah. so the other thing too is we have to be careful, like because Victor's right. But so lots of fox trots are straight fox trots, and lots of fox trots also swing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I was dancing to like Ella Fitzgerald doing you know birds do mm-hmm. it. Please do it right. That goes boom to tick, boom to tick. But if I was going, fly me to the moon. Exactly. So look at that. I got one for y'all. There she was, just a walking down the street singing. Do a diddy diddy dum diddy do. It's crazy. Just lives in your head. So anyway, so 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 some foxtrots absolutely swing, and some foxtrots are straight foxtrots that don't feel good to swing to, right? right? So sometimes go people go, well, this is a foxtrot, and I go, yeah, but it swings, still swings. Does that make sense? And some foxtrots don't swing, right? Right. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen Maxime and Tori dancing at Budapest tonight and day, it was beautiful. It's nice and easy, does it? Oh, that's no, nice. no, no! That no, was at uh, French Open at Budapest la- this month. Yeah. They danced yeah. tonight and oh, I didn't see. Wait, note uh, to self: I haven't up. seen that. Yeah. I'm looking magical. that up. The Ella Fitzgerald version magical. of the song. That's yeah. fantastic. You dance to the Ella Fitzgerald version of anything. I'm going to melt. But so we have like five minutes left before we have to wrap up. I our, see you at one hand. Our, all right, Bebek. So this back to you because I know you mentioned. Like, Why don't you come over here and sit on the microphone? Get up for Robert Royce. Thank you, Robert. Come sit. So and everyone Chris, can I'm hear sorry you. you. Have a hand too. Yeah, we'll get you next. Too. Okay, there we go. So I know you mentioned like all your different jobs that you've done, and one thing that you kind of briefed over was going as an event director. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, like how you started there, and you know, kind of how you event direct and where you want to go. You know, so um, I started being an event director with um, Andrew Sinclair and Paul Stewart when I was uh, working with them with um, River City Swing. And then now I'm with Rick Doss and his wife Cindy doing Trilogy. And, you know, it kind of fell onto me um, because at the time Ben Hooten was the event director with Rick. And, uh, you know, they asked me if I wanted to be a part of it. And I thoroughly enjoyed doing it when I was working at River City. And it was something that I wanted to do again. Um, because it's a whole different side of the business that I really wasn't accustomed to or was privy to, to see. Um, so I absolutely love it. Um, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy, you know, uh, trying to mold the event into what we envision it to be. Um, uh, but, Bobak, your question again is what? Just like kind of like where – I just want like an open-ended question about like your event and how – where you want it to go, stuff like that. Um, well, I want, I want Trilogy to go um, as being known as a West Coast Swing event that offers a little bit of everything. You know, we, we have a little different kind of an event because – our tagline is past, present, and future. So we started a thing last year where we did a Legends Jack and Jill um, because I feel that uh, as a community, we kind of forget where we came from. And a lot of those guys are still badasses that are out on the circuit currently winning and mm-hmm. taking names. And a lot of the folks that are still amazing that 
a lot of people don't get to see. Um, you know, we want to showcase and show that they're still here. Um, so we kind of have a different format, and I want to see it continue to grow with the legends, um, the, future. The, the, the future, and, and you know, the present. So we, we try to incorporate uh, up-and-coming folks, people that obviously have been established. Um, uh, and I just want to see the event grow as much as it can, you know, as much as any event can grow. I mean, I want every single event across the country and across the world to, to grow and be massive. You know, uh, I know a lot of people complain, and this has been something that other folks have mentioned on y'all's podcast, is that we feel that there's too many events. I'm, I'm completely the opposite. I feel like we need more events. Now, do we need 17 events on one weekend? Obviously not, because we don't have, I think, enough to go around. Do some events need to go bye-bye? Maybe. But, you know, I, I don't ever want to see any event fail. I want every event to be successful. So we just look at it as how can we better the community and how can we better ourselves as an event. Right. And wouldn't you say that part of being a successful event is having a brand and there are right. events that do well because they have a brand and Absolutely. then there are events that don't do so well because they don't know what their brand Absolutely. is. And, and when you stick to your brands and people like your brands, people will talk about your brands Absolutely. and make more people come Absolutely. to the event. Absolutely. Right. And if you haven't seen the epic jam from trilogy of all those legends yeah you should check that out it's online. amazing yeah mm -hmm. it, it's it's really cool and and you're right i mean you know if you have to find a brand and there's a, i mean obviously swingtacular jack and jillarama dave sure. moldover these guys all have a brand that grand you know nationals. every grand nationals boogie by the bay you right. know that people of phoenix that people understand um and and you're right you have to you know it anybody that starts a a, a swing event thinking they're going to make money and become rich well you know don't do it. Um, but at the same time, you, you have to understand that if you're going to do something, what is your brand? What do you want to bring to the table? What, what do you want people to walk away saying, well, this event had this and it had that and it had this, you know? Um, and, and I think a lot of people just throw an event and go, well, let's see what happens. Well, and the other part of what you both mentioned in brand, to me, the word is value. Value So like as well. when we talk about sure. there's too many events, to me, there's too many events that... Um, one, aren't necessarily quality, and two, don't offer value, right? right? The, so part of your brand is defining exactly what you said. What do we offer to people? And right. what do we offer to people that's unique? Right. Because we have a bunch of events. Right. So if right. you're just offering more of the same, how are you going to compete? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, I mean, Bobak, your event, you do it too. I mean, you, you find that niche of what you want to do and where you want to go. And, and you know what? Those are the events that are going to continue to do well and people are going to go to because everyone knows that they're, they're going to get a bang for their buck. Good music, cool. good professionals, right? Right. And by the way, Rose City Swing is coming up next month. Totally yes. not my plan. <laughs> and we'll be doing plan. a podcast there as well. Say, I was going to mention it anyway. We'll be yes. doing another live show there. So check it out if you're at the event or if you're able to watch online. Well, thanks, cool. Baba. Thank Chris Dumont, come up here. Okay. Give it up for Chris Dumont. Yay! It's really Damn, cold in here all up. of a sudden. It really is. That's why I wore flannel. I thought I was just excited. It looks very nice on you. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so kind of going I know that we don't have a lot of time left but okay. um, uh, sort of going on that event Wait, sort of can you please do it in your Christopher Walken voice <laughs> fine uh, if you say so it's cool if you like it I don't know alright I can't I can't <laughs> <laughs> 
That's about no it. No way. I That's all you get. That. That's all you get. Um, uh-huh. No, so m- I feel like running an event, like Victor said it, like you don't make money. Like people right. don't understand. Like if even if you like run a very successful event and everyone's like, and everyone goes, you're still maybe crossing your fingers to break even. Mm-hmm. So my question is, if money is not on the table, what decisions would you make to make your ideal event that you would want to go to? Wow. So if money wasn't an option, what kind of an event would I want yeah, to so like, run like, or go to? Run or go to because like, you know, like wow. some people like they have to do competitions because that's a very big thing now. You know what I yeah. mean? And some people want it to be more of a social weekend or things like that. So you have to make decisions in order mm-hmm. to even have the pros get there so that people will then come. And like there's a lot of variables yeah. with with money and right. that decisions. Don't I think it's about knowing what your brand is first. Find out what your brand is. If you build it, they will come. Feel the dreams. F- yes. Right. If you build I, it, you know what I mean. Because I, like so, if you build you know, it properly. I, if I if I said to you, what's ESS's brand? What would you say to me? Workshop weekend. If I said to you, what's Swing Tacular's brand? What would you say to me? A weird good time. <laughs> and good workshops, right? Yeah. And good workshops, right? Yeah. And and also interesting competitions that they have for the professionals, right? Also a very unique show, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think I think a lot of people now uh, look at events, and because no one's going to spend one hundred sixty dollars to go social dancing, they can go to their local bar for ten bucks and go right. social dancing. So I think people go, well, what's the what am I? What's the brand that I need that 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 I want to go to, or what's the brand that's not out there that I can draw people in? to come to my event. What separates me from everyone else? Just like instructors have their own brand. Right. Um, I would just want to add one little thought to that, which is that I think some people do pay a lot of money for social dancing because they don't get the same quality of social dancing uh, in their hometown. Yeah, but I think it, it's... And I think a lot of people go to events. We've talked about how like some communities start events just simply to bring people to their sure. town to dance with it. So I agree that it can't just be the only thing you offer. And right. when there are so many events that offer... They all offer late night social dancing. So what else are you offering? Right, but like I said, I, I'm not going to spend $165 to go social dancing. I'm spending $165 sure. to go social dancing, to take great workshops, to watch mm-hmm. amazing competitions so I can compete sure. as well, you know, Maybe the they experience. have a right. Maybe they have a midnight buffet. But like, there's all these things that I think about. They have a show, whatever that makes me want to come. Yeah. Not just the social dancing. I, mean, I get to meet my friends and all that stuff. Right. Right. I would also say, and by the way, if you didn't hear our episode on Boogie by the Bay, we talked a lot about events and what yeah. we think they do well and they don't do well. But um, also to your question of like, if money weren't an option, there are things that draw people to an event. There are also things that keep them away. <laughs> right. Like. <laughs> There, there's an event I'm, it's, I'm thinking of where I'm like, that hotel is just really crappy. I just don't want to stay at that hotel anymore. And so a lot of people stop going, right? So I think when you're thinking about um, hosting the event, there's, um, it, it's a holistic thing, right? It's like, yeah. what, what value do you offer? How do you run your event? But then like, how do you create? And this, you know, John Lindo talked about this. He really thinks about like customer service. How do I create the best experience possible for my attendees overall? Are you thinking about doing an event, Chris? I don't have the money. <laughs> <laughs> Question. Oh, apparently it's on the podcast that Ben McHenry will sponsor Chris Dumont. He, 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 he might. I was Dance like, Geek Production. production. Oh, so like, you might, you might regret it. this, man. <laughs> Just saying. Any thoughts, Victor, on 
If money were no object, what would? Uh, if money about? were no object, I mean, for me, my ideal event would be the best instructors, the best DJs, the best venue, uh, with fantastic workshops. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would do probably just Jack and Jill's and Strictly's. There's no need to do routines. Everyone else does that, um, and fantastic social dancing with you know just free food. Yeah, well. Let's not get over. Free food. Well, listen. Everybody here if money, if money is no object, if money yeah. is no right, right. object, let's feed everybody. Absolutely. Why not feed everybody? And there was actually a study done on uh, businesses, like what makes people happy in the workplace, and free food was the number one thing <laughs> that made people. They're like, my company feeds me. I like being here. So, just keep that in mind. Free food. Well, I want to thank Victor for being here, and Robert Royston for coming up and helping us talk, and. Tony Schubert for asking a question, and Bobek and Chris Dumond. It's been, and thank you everyone for supporting us. This was our first live podcast. We'll be doing another one at Rose City Swing. Yes. Also at Rose City Swing, uh, Brandy and Robert Royston will be doing their Wine Coast yes. Swing. Cool. So you should be joining them for that um, as well. And I'll let uh, Eric do his spiel that he always My does. My spiel. Well, and we involve you in the spiel too. Right. So. Um, by the way, Victor, if people want to reach you, what's the best way for people to reach you? The Facebook? Yep. Okay. What's so funny? <laughs> now that Chris has slid off Watching stage. this idiot over here. Yeah, um, <laughs> so you, can, you can, you can get a hold of me. You can get a hold of me via Facebook. That's probably the best way. Okay. Can you spell your last name for people? Because some people don't know how to spell it. Yes, it's love the IRA. Right. right. Without the the. Without right. the the. Right. <laughs> Love Ira. Love era. Um, another thank you, by the way, to John Kirkconnell and Sarah Van Drake. Give it up for and them. And Ian. And thank Ian Kirkconnell for inviting us to do yes. our very first show here. Um, thank you as well to Hugh Lee, who has been walking around the room. Yes, there thank he is. You. Helping us with our Facebook live Thanks stream to and Brad our photos. for taking pictures. Brad Whelan for taking photos for us. Um, and thank you, of course, to all of you for coming out and sharing this experience with us. If you want to share your thoughts and reactions with us, of course, you can always post a comment on our website, respond to our posts on Facebook, and email us through our website, The Naked Truth WCS. And we have a Facebook discussion group. If you are not a part of that, join it. There's lots of discussions happening there. They kind of come and go, but it'd be great to get more conversations started around the things that we talk about on the show. Um, If you want to get the latest news, like our page on Facebook, subscribe to our newsletter, and follow us on Instagram at The Naked Truth WCS. And join the 10 other people who follow us on Twitter at <laughs> Naked Truth WCS. I go on there and I'm like... <laughs> Wait, who's the one that actually like really follows us on Twitter? Victor's one of them. <laughs> I said, I was like, that's awesome. It's Victor, me I'm and Bob Beck. <laughs> Do you follow us? No. Mm, no. <laughs> he, he, now. he is now. Wait, wait, wait. We have 14 followers. That's very exciting. Yay. Very excited. So exciting. I don't recognize these people. Okay, so um, <laughs> other things. Uh, of course, don't forget you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a number of other podcast hosting platforms. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on Facebook. And if you're on iTunes, give, give us, us a review, review on iTunes and rate us over on iTunes. That helps us spread the word on the iTunes platform. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Eric. And I'm Deborah. And that's the Naked Truth. Sweaty balls. All right. Let's talk you, about. No. Do you like eating your sweaty balls? I don't like balls They're at all. They're delicious. <laughs> <laughs>